The Moment Has Arrived. I'm Tom Dickinson, and this is Season 1, Episode 9 of The Moment, a podcast that dares to look at individual moments in Doctor Who, because nobody else will. Each week, a different guest joins me to talk about one of those moments, whichever one they want to talk about. It could be any moment of their choosing. This week, my guest is Alex Cox, and she chose a moment from The Angels Take Manhattan, the mid-series finale of Matt Smith's third and final series as the Doctor. If you're listening closely to every episode of the moment, you may have learned how to detect when I'm secretly very excited because the guest just happens to have picked one of my favorite moments, and even if you haven't, I'll just tell you this is one of those. Amy and Rory have been traveling with the Doctor for the past two and a half seasons within the show, amounting to about ten years of their own lives. In The Angels Take Manhattan, they wind up in 1930s Manhattan, facing a bunch of weeping angels alongside River Song, the Doctor's wife, who is also Amy and Rory's daughter. If you're not familiar with the 11th Doctor era of Doctor Who, it's all pretty much that weird and timey-wimey. Anyway, let's skip ahead to the climax of the episode. Our protagonists have just seen Rory's future, in which he dies of old age in a Manhattan apartment. Fleeing the angels, Amy and Rory wind up on the roof of the building. It's then that Rory realizes he might have a way to escape the angels if he can create a paradox that disrupts the timeline of established events that they have seen. And the only way he knows to do that is to make it impossible for himself to die of old age. And so he steps up to the edge of the rooftop, and that's where Alex's moment begins. Rory! Rory, stop it! You'll die. Yeah, twice. Needs to same building on the same night. Jump off the building, kill himself. Down, please, it's the right thing to do. To create a paradox. This will work if I die now. Because he's already it's a paradox, right? died. Paradox the angels. Tell me in I'm wrong. the same building on Go that on, same night. Um, it's extraordinarily hard to encapsulate into a couple of sentences. It's very. This is not a great story. <laughs> Rory is like, okay, I need to die in order to save Amy. And he asks Amy, I'm going to need some help here if I am going to jump off of this building. You have to. Could you? Amy asks, like, if it was me, could you do it? And um, he says a now, like, famous line. To save you, I could do anything. Which when I heard just bald and bald and bald but then you know as I was losing my crap uh couldn't you know even get through it because Amy then gets up on the top of the ledge of the Empire State Building with him and says you know if you really think that jumping off this building will save me and save the worlds and we'll all come back to life prove it no I can't take you too you said we'd come back to life I'm coming with you um Money where your mouth is tied. And she says the words together are not at all. Finally, the doctor comes out. What saying, the hell are you doing? Changing the future. She says, like, I I am changing the future. You're not the only one who gets to do this. It's called marriage. And that is when I lose myself Amy! again. Uh, and they Amy! fall uh, off of the top of the Empire State building together and it's this horrifyingly beautiful shot of them in slow motion falling and holding each other and the Doctor and River Song 
watching and, you know, doing the typical, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could <laughs> I could talk about this forever. This is my not only favorite moment of Doctor Who, but like my favorite moment of any interaction of any couple on television ever. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the three lines, the two from Amy and the one from Rory, the score that plays over it. Oh, man, just, oh. Mm. Yeah, I, Murray Gold, who writes all the music for the new series, or at least has up till up to the most recent season. Oh, he's so good. He's a man who's very good at the big, swelling, emotional, here's the point where you cry, oh. the cue to cry music. But I think this might be, like, the top of that. And the thing, despite the fact that they live through this jump, they create the paradox, so they are put back into their own time. This is also, I guess, like a uh, companion to my moment, Um, but... The gravestone here is all with the same name as me. They're back at their own time, but... (laughs) Oh no, an angel escaped. Doctor! It pulls him back to New York in the 40s. Where's Rory? And then Amy makes the decision to go back in time um, to where Rory will be, even though for some reason or another, she will never be able to see the doctor again. I will never be able to see you again. And will never be able to return to her own time. Come with him. Amy, please. And this whole episode, over and over and over again, Amy chooses Rory which is what I love about her whole arc, is she starts out really energized by the doctor's manic energy and goes for this roller coaster ride and then matures and sort of realizes what, oh, it's going to sound gross, what like true unconditional love is. And while she loves the doctor very much and loves her daughter River Song unconditionally, she also loves Rory unconditionally and understand that he is the boy who waited for her. Oh, I waited. Thousands and thousands Two of years. Two thousand years I waited for you. Oh, so shut up. And this is her finally, like the last moment to, yes, I'm going to choose Rory over the doctor in both the jumping moment and the choosing to go back in time moment. So, yeah. It's kind of, you know, what other way could there be for Amy to go out other than this big choice she has to make between the Doctor and Rory? Because that's like her thing almost. Mm-hmm. Her her whole arc, it, it, it's something that kind of keeps coming up. I know some people find that kind of a frustrating aspect about her character that mm-hmm. so yeah. many of her decisions are framed as a choice between two men. Which I totally understand because Stephen Moffat, he's created some of my favorite fictional characters of all time. And yet, wow, what a problematic guy who doesn't know how to write women but what I kind of liked or rather what I came to accept is that Rory became a character that is almost stripped of all of this toxic masculinity like we see him grow up just like we see how Amy grows up and what I like about the final moment is she is choosing her partner and she chooses it in an instant at that final moment in the graveyard she just wants to figure out how to say like goodbye to the doctor and goodbye to her daughter but there's no hesitation like it is her choice and in fact the the episode Amy's choice be very sure this could be the real world. Th- that's kind of also the first time that, you know, she chooses Rory. She doesn't know if she's going to live or die, but I didn't know. she chooses. I didn't, I didn't, I honestly didn't, till right now. To roll the dice and be with Rory. I just want him. But she's not saying goodbye to the doctor or anything, and it also is like a big choice for her. Whereas this one, it's like, nope, an instant. Uh, and it's also her choosing 
a healthy relationship over what is an extremely toxic one. What I both sort of love and hate about Doctor Who is it's always kind of been the doctor manipulating young women into incredibly unhealthy relationships. The the reason Rory and Amy are my favorite companions is they sort of pull him out of it a little bit. Like they encourage him to never travel alone, but they have their own lives and sort of just come occasionally along as like this big family with, you know, come along pawns. And I guess that's how I sort of retcon it in my mind. Like, Amy's not choosing a man. She is choosing a life that has more substance rather than flash. Whereas there's almost no other companions who have a happy ending, in my opinion. I guess you could argue Martha does, kind I'll of. I'll see you again, mister. Like, having to choose Can to, I like, blow up the they world. The earth gets ripped apart. What? Martha, are you insane? I don't know. Like, Amy and Rory get to live, like, this very sweet, peaceful so life. So know that we lived well and we're very happy. That she chose. And above all else, know that we will love you always. Well, you mentioned about how the Doctor's and Amy's relationship is not necessarily the healthiest relationship. It's super on display mm-hmm. in this episode where, like you say, it's all about the choices that Amy has made both on that rooftop and in the graveyard afterward. Nobody knows. And the Doctor is just yeah. no. not Shut having it. Yes, yep. yes it mm-hmm. is. Amy. Well, I think it's pretty clear that we're meant to see him as in the wrong. I, I agree 100%. And I was shocked to see... People being like, how could she do this? Like, she's leaving her daughter and, like, this man gave everything for her. And, like, the doctor? Really? Really? Like, (laughs) not only does he, like, leave her alone in a box for 2,000 years. like be in that box for 2,000 years. Yeah, but we're taking the shortcut. There was another person who stayed with her. Will she be safer if I stay? Wonder who that was? Oh, Look me in the eye and tell me she wouldn't be safer. Answer me! Oh, you know, the guy she jumped off the roof with. Um, But like I said, I enjoy the examination of the unhealthy relationships that the doctor has with his companions and with anybody who chooses to travel with like a for either a short period of time or, you know, in Amy and Rory's case, like over, a, I think it's like a decade in their lives. I think it's been 10 years. Not for you. Or Earth, but for us. Although, to be perfectly honest, it's much longer since she... Mm. Bunny. Am I? You know, she knew him... Bunny's good. ...from when she was a little girl. What's your name? Amelia Pond. Oh, that's a brilliant name. For sure, for sure. And the fact that she's still able to be like, yeah, heck no, my raggedy man, this is not for me. I mean, some companions don't even get to make that choice, like, you know, Donna... I had to wipe her mind completely. Every trace of me or the TARDIS... I used to think or rather hope that Stephen Moffat uh, was intentionally doing that. And I don't think he is. I think he's just writing really toxic relationships. And the actors are the ones who are bringing, bringing, shining a light on what is a very interesting character flaw. You know, I honestly, just to kind of stick up for Stephen Moffat a little bit, I think he, <laughs> I think he is doing it in, intentionally. God knows that the man has his odd tendencies that I don't quite enjoy all the time. But uh, I, th- I think like in this case, it's it's such a reversal of what like you mentioned with Donna, where Donna, it's like he's mind wiping her over her tearful objections. I mm-hmm. back. Don't make me go back. Whereas in this case, it's like she's Brokeny man. You know, heading off into the unknown. Goodbye. With that angel. Under his tearful objections. No. 
And I think it's made sort of even more explicit through series nine with Clara's I ending. I don't think I could ever forget you. Clara's ending is like almost an exact reversal of, of Don. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think you're ever gonna have to. I think I think that's actually pretty intentional. I've thought a lot about Clara, and I really like what Jenna Coleman did with that character. But I mean, she's just a woman that exists for the Doctor. I'm Clara Oswald. I'm the Impossible Girl. I was born to save the Doctor. I don't know, man. It just, uh, that storyline was rough for me. I do like how, you know, at least she doesn't die or get her memory erased or goes to a parallel universe or becomes a warmonger, you know, <laughs> like some other people. Yeah. Um, so so did, you, did you start with the 11th Doctor and Amy and Rory? Is that where you started watching the show? I started with the 11th hour at the, ins- oh, well, no, that's a lie. I saw the very first episode, Rose, and was like, mm-hmm. You can trust me, sweetheart, babe. Bye. Sugar. Babe, sugar. Not having this. Um, but then I saw the 11th hour and was so charmed by absolutely everything. On the dog time. Honestly, I think the score, good old Murray Gold, like, he really got me with basically um, 11's theme. Mm-hmm. Run. I was hesitant about, like, who is this dude, um, like, Amy's a kissogram which what sort of jobs a kissogram and led to believe is like i go to parties and i guess people not a stripper with outfits it's a laugh and she calls rory her friend and not her boyfriend and she's so unsure of herself and i'm like do we really need to have another woman who needs guidance from the doctor and not very quickly but like again like it's been 10 years and she kind of reverses that with him like and I I guess Clara kind of also does the same thing but I think Amy was the first person to really care for the doctor but you didn't know I was coming why would you set me a place because we always do and not just want to be cared about by the doctor especially throughout this episode next time can we just go to the pub i, I get I the real the sense of them right as like all uh, their video games there i love video adult games. family members right family outing then mm-hmm. like the four of them yeah. the uh, amy rory river and the doctor mm-hmm. they're a, a family unit that can sometimes be kind of toxic in the way that family might be right mm-hmm. they they will often strenuously not endorse each other's life decisions it's it's interesting though because moffat was a, a sitcom writer before he did doctor who a couple was his his biggest claim to fame before he right. he wrote mm-hmm. Doctor Who and I often think of his, especially the Eleventh Doctor era, less so the the Twelfth Doctor era, but I think of the Eleventh Doctor era as a, a, basically a sitcom. It, yeah, totally. In the Russell T Davies era, you'll often have like the Doctor and Rose land somewhere, and then you have to give us permission to talk. Rose meets a meets a person that she you know um, goes off and has conversations with, and you have permission becomes integral to the plot. But thank you. In a Moffat episode, you're much more likely to have like the core cast just interact with one another. Mm-hmm. Like in in this episode, there's there's a bad guy, Grail, I think his name is. But you don't believe that statues can move. Uh, and then there's like a, some New York, silly, hard-boiled, the city of a million stories, detective man at the beginning. Uh, and I think yeah. aside from them, I don't know if anyone else even appears in the episode. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just these four having a sitcom episode. Yeah, and I think for what it was, it worked pretty well most of the time. I kind of like that we got we got to see the other side of Moffat's writing with Capaldi. Um, I'm curious as to what you thought about Amy and Rory as companions and as companions to one another, as well as, you know, them morphing to be a couple that, that are both companions to the Doctor. 
I was really into them in series five, and then in series six, they really lost me, and then in series <laughs> seven, they really got me back, honestly. <laughs> a lot of aspects of series six kind of, I, I don't think they knew what to do with those characters, but mm-hmm. when when you bring them back here in series seven as they're, they're grownups, they've got a house, yep. they've got a life, and sometimes they feel like they can almost kind of take or leave the Doctor. You're yep. thinking of stopping, aren't you? They're envisioning a time in Memory. their life. Well, no, I, I mean, we haven't made a decision. But you're considering it. When they're not with him anymore. Mm-hmm. Their relationship to one another and to the doctor was always really interesting to watch rory rory's kind of an interesting character in that he, he doesn't seem to ever believe that amy's going to step up and make the big decisions to protect their relationship like she does here amy basic fact of our relationship is that i love you more than you love me which today is good news because it might just save both of our lives like he seems incredibly insecure about that you say that so that's one of the reasons why amy getting up on that ledge with him is so powerful because for some reason he hasn't gotten it through his thick skull that she's as much a part of this partnership as he is. He's not the Mm -hmm. one who's carrying this thing. They're doing it together or not at all. I do like that about him because he is not the like white knight stereotype. Like he has so many flaws and makes so many mistakes and and you're right he's a big old dum-dum it's like of course she's going to choose you but i do enjoy that he does that little like tell me i'm wrong such a jerk dig of great like the one time you can't manage it they're a married couple like they were almost divorced at one point because they couldn't communicate uh, but he's still going to do this for her because he just loves her unconditionally. There, I, I, The more I talk about it, the more I find reasons to love it. Especially because River, we see afterwards the doctor, again, being incredibly insensitive about this moment. Like, it's like, you're not the only one who lost someone. Like, hi, uh, the daughter. <laughs> yeah. You see that brutal moment of separation and then... River's doing something at the TARDIS console and the Doctor is sulking and, Mm -hmm. you know, one thing I love is that River, it it occurs to him, like, after God knows how many hours, he's like, They were your parents. Wait a second, River, they were your parents. Right. Sorry. I didn't even think. It took him such a long time to realize that. He did come around to it eventually, (laughs) but... Mm-hmm. He's so boneheaded that it just didn't didn't come to him. I also think it's great character moments for both of them because River, to deal with grief, sets to work, kind of puts it into the back of her mind, does something productive or destructive, like break out of a prison or something. Um, whereas the doctor's just a big baby and like, man, lost my friends. He'll go into these deep, deep sulks. Like he'll go I... find a point <laughs> in history and bury himself there. <laughs> And again, I I truly love Eleven, and I love how I actually like how needy he is, and he feels like one of the few doctors who accepts that he needs for a bit. Give it on the cubes. People around him. However long that takes, I miss you. To the point of, again, you know, it, it being unhealthy at points, but the letter at the end, the, the like epilogue of the episode where... Sometimes I do worry about you, though. She, she doesn't I think write once we're gone, you won't be coming back here for a while. Any regret? And you might be alone, which you should never be. But she, she does say, like, sometimes I worry about you, but it wasn't like, I think of you every day and long for the times we traveled together. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. we have a garden. It's nice. Um... And the same thing with, uh, have you seen the short called P.S.? Oh, yeah, the uh, the animatic one. Yeah, I don't know how I've gone so long without knowing. Wow. It's weird that it's not in any episode because it feels like such an essential part of the Amy and Rory storyline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rory's father, Brian, is, you know, doing what he says he's going to be doing at the end of The Power of Three. He's watering the plants. Come, Brian. Somebody's got to water the plants. 
Uh, and then a stranger comes to the door and hands him a letter. The thing is, we're not coming back. He explains... We're alive and well and stuck. A little bit more about what his life was like with Amy and the fact that they eventually... The man who delivered the letter, Anthony, be nice to him. Decided to adopt another kid. Because he's your grandson. It's just a very emotional moment, mm -hmm. particularly because, you know, the Murray Gold music is being piped through. But it's also just a, a, a really nice coda. Yeah. And they even the, the end of it is, you know, there's a little animatic of them embracing. And I I, I just wow, what a good because because I've always thought of Rory as sort of an equal companion to Amy. And I just was really glad that he got to have like his word in, too. It's, it's weird. I actually never have gotten the impression that Rory and the doctor are that close with one another. <laughs> really their common interest was was amy they didn't have too many like scenes of growing out together or <laughs> i guess I, I i agree with that maybe except until eventually they not only have amy in common but they, they have melody and they have oh, yeah. river song what in common hello hello uh baby uh, melody melody hello melody pond their growing out is almost like, yeah, we are protecting our family. I guess I don't see them equally important in terms of their actual like personal interactions, but he has just as much of an influence on the doctor because of his influence on Amy and River, because he's been there since the beginning, just like we later learned that Melody has always been there from the beginning as well. Yeah, I named my daughter after her. You named your daughter after your daughter. It took me years to find you two. I'm so glad I did. I always think Moffat, especially in Series 6, gets real up his butt about, ah, I'm so clever. I'm just so, so clever. He's the boy who waited for the girl who waited. <laughs> and I, I, I fell for it. It totally worked on me. I loved it. <laughs> but I don't think those lines, you know, together or not at all, they would have been completely unremarkable if it weren't for Arthur Darville and Karen Gillan. Like... Their chemistry, even when they're fighting, I just adore. That's always felt like the most authentic relationship to me. How do you think their relationship compares to the Doctor and River's relationship? So I was actually thinking, like, the other day, was their relationship more substantial than the Doctor and River's? And I think at the time, it most certainly was, but maybe with kind of the coda of Capaldi and what we are to assume is like his last time with River Song. Mm -hmm. You look uh, amazing. Doctor, you have no idea whether I look amazing or not. I think by that time they have well, you've, both you've moved your hair about, become adults. Well done. It's very sweet of you to try. And have matured <laughs> in their relationship the same way Rory and Amy did to the point where they feel like equals whereas for a long time, the doctor kept treating her like a companion instead of an equal. And this this episode really brings that up at the end where... Travel with me, then. He says, travel with me. And she's like... Whenever and wherever you want. Nah, buddy, that's not what this is. Like, But not all the time. One psychopath per TARDIS, don't you think? Yep. You're just looking for a rebound after you just lost your last companion. That's not what we're here for. Yep. It's kind of sad that we don't get too much of that version of their relationship now that they're both on the same same foot. We only really get it again in that um, one Christmas special with Capaldi. I also think that I'm sort of talking around how bad of an episode, in my opinion, the Angels Take Manhattan is. Oh, yeah. It's so bad. <laughs> and I do like the parts where River is super awesome in, in this. But like I was rewatching the episode and I'm like, I don't. 
remember half of this or why any of this matters. What's happening, huh? And and but like I remember uh I was actually very briefly in New York when they were filming it and I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, I don't see Matt Smith, but I know he's here somewhere." Um <laughs> uh, it has a special place in my heart because it was also shot in the US. Wow, really bad episodes are shot in the US. I just <laughs> oh, the space or uh, the impossible the, astronaut. The astronaut. There we go. Yeah, it's so bad, and that is how Moffat can get shot. Like, <laughs> thank thank God that he has continued to cast good people because if it weren't for the the last twenty minutes of that episode, it's such a garbage way for my favorite c- companions to go out. I will say you, you're the first person I've spoken to for this show who has referred to the episode from which their moment comes as bad. Oh, it's uh, terrible. <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 I don't know that I necessarily agree that it's bad, but I don't know that I disagree either because <laughs> I don't have any particular affection for you know anything at all prior to the rooftop scene. But like one, once you get to the rooftop from then on out, like it, I love that stuff so much that it might rescue the entire episode for me. I don't know. Yeah, when when picking this, I, I'm so glad that this show is about a moment and not <laughs> not an episode. Um, but also, I think I would encourage people to re-examine Rory and Amy's relationship because that has been one of my favorite things in re-watching all of the series <laughs> in which they appear. And... I do really think that Amy has a lot more agency than fans give her credit for. And I think Rory is a lot more interesting and has many more layers. And while he is a butthead many times, he's, and I don't just mean this in a haha way, he's one of the most human people in the show because you see him upset he gets angry at his wife and his wife gets angry at him but they just endure all of it and then uh at least his dad gets to water his plants (laughs) yes and that is it for the moment this week many thanks to alex cox who you can follow on twitter at alex cox that's a to the l to the ex followed by c-o-x all one word because you can't have a space in your twitter handle If you want to hear Alex on another podcast, well, good news, she's on a bunch of them. Roboism, Supercomputer, The Unicorn and the Robot, which sounds like it could be the title of a Doctor Who story. In fact, all three of those sound like they could be Doctor Who stories. She's also on Dubai Friday, which I guess could be a Doctor Who story. I don't know. Eh, it could happen. You can find links to all of those podcasts, as well as show notes and many other delights at themomentpod.com. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at the Moment Pod, and you can recommend this podcast by telling someone else how good it is. I'm Tom Dickinson, and I'll be back in a moment. <laughs>